Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And he is speaking to wives, as seems pretty obvious. He says wives. He's speaking to married women about their relationship with their own husband. He's not calling all women to submit to all men in all situations. He is not telling wives to submit to other men's husbands. There, there is a sense in which, as, as, as Ephesians 5 says, we all are to be subject to one another in, out of reverence for Christ. There is that in all our relationships. But this is a specific calling from God for wives to submit to their own husbands. And Peter says, in the same way, or likewise. And that obviously refers back to the same humble spirit of deference that Peter has been talking about in the previous verses, which I just referred to. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Show proper respect to everyone or honor all men, uh, servants, in reverent fear of God. Submit yourselves to your masters. It refers back also to, the, to Christ's own submissive spirit, which he showed in the things in which he suffered. So he says, wives, likewise, or in, in a similar way, in the same way, submit to your own husbands. So wives, this is a, 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 a powerful way that you demonstrate Christ-likeness in your home. It is a specific quality which the apostles of Jesus Christ call forth from wives in each of the New Testament passages in which wives are addressed. So wives, you are to live out this, this most precious fruit of the Spirit towards your own husband. It's, you should see it as a, as a high calling, as a special privilege, to express, to express the very spirit of Christ in this way in your home. And this is not the only way that you serve God, of course. Uh, you, you love your children. Uh, you do things for other families in the church. You serve the Lord with your spiritual gifts and talents that God's blessed you with. But Peter calls you as a wife to respectfully submit to your own husband. This is, this is a, it's a ministry. It's a, it's a calling with, with which God has called you. And so as, as, as obedient to the Lord or as submitting to the Lord in this, this area, and as you, uh, or as, as in obedience to the Lord, as you submit in this area, it gives credibility and strength uh, to all else you do in the name of Jesus. Now, this is just my opinion, so I could be wrong here, because you know, don't, I don't want to presume to speak or think for wives, but it seems to me that some wives think of loving their husbands as an acceptable alternative to uh, submitting to them. Uh, I think some wives would say, well, I love my husband, I will do things for my husband. I would like to be with my husband, but I won't submit to him. But it seems to me from Scripture and experience uh, that the way that 
that you best show love to your husband is through this submissive spirit towards him that, that Peter calls from you. And Peter goes on to say, so that if any of them do not believe the word or do not obey the word, depending on your translation, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. So in other words, Peter is saying, your, your respectful uh, reverence, your respectful a submission to your husband is a special kind of behavior that is powerfully winsome to him. It prompts the very best out of him. It, it wins him or it, it moves him to your side. And more importantly, it can move him to God's side. Now, I don't believe that that means that in every case, I mean, I believe that there are women who have lived this out to the, to, in a and a very marvelous ability in their homes and their husband has still remained hardened and rebellious to God. I don't think it means it happens in every case, but the principle is true. That the, 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 the general reality is that without words, you will win your husband by this respectful, reverent uh, behavior that Peter calls for it. Your pure and reverent behavior towards your husband and just in general makes a compelling argument that Jesus Christ is real in your life. It makes a compelling argument that Jesus Christ makes a difference in people's lives because he makes a difference in your life. It makes a compelling argument for the message of the gospel. The context here is actually winning your husband. It's saying, wives, you know, if you're a believer... Don't, don't, don't just throw off your husband because he's an unbeliever, but you can win him through your behavior. It makes a compelling argument that something supernatural has happened in your life. And the general principle is that your husband will be drawn to that. Now, when Peter says they will be won without words, or some translations without a word, I don't think that Peter literally means wives should never speak a word to their husbands. I don't think it means that wives should never speak a word to their husbands about the gospel. I mean, salvation comes by hearing, and by hearing the word, the message about Christ. I don't think this means that wives should silently go along with something her husband wants to do that is sinful or illegal or degrading or harmful. It doesn't mean a wife should never speak her opinion. The point is that godly behavior is much more powerful than words in winning a husband to salvation or to an obedient response to Christ. Be much more effective than nagging or harping or just coming after him again and again and again. I think that's what, what Peter is saying. Now, we will, we're going to address husbands a little bit later, but I would like to say to husbands uh, at this point in the message that, that, that these instructions to the wives uh, to submit to your husband and to win your, your, your husband without words, these instructions are to the wife. Uh, they are not something for the husband to demand or 
in force upon his wife. I mean, for, for husbands to, to start going to their wives and say, See here, this is what you better be doing. I mean, that would be to violate the entire spirit of what God calls forth from husbands, which we're going to see when we get to verse 8. Or verse 7, sorry. All right, Peter goes on and says, Women or wives, this inner quality of reverence is more important than outward beauty. Verse 3, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in this way, the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. God is not against outer beauty. You know, I, think, I think of Esther. I mean, Esther would never have been able to be used by God to save the Jews during the reign of Xerxes if she had not been more beautiful than all the young virgins in 120 provinces of Persia. I mean, she was beautiful. God gave her that exquisite beauty for his purposes. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, was so beautiful that Abraham regarded her beauty as a liability. <laughs> he greatly feared that other, other kings would kill him and take, so as to take her for their own wife because she was so beautiful. So, so God is not saying that there's something wrong with, with human beauty. And I don't think that Peter is intending to say that women should not do anything at all to look attractive outwardly. In some circles, uh, at some times within the church, this verse has been turned into a very harsh uh, legalistic code regulating women's makeup and hairdos and jewelry and it just can get very ugly. The point is that your focus, your obsession, your concern should be with this inner beauty of the heart. This is that. This is should be what your emphasis is on. You know, even even someone as conservative as, as Calvin said, it would be an immoderate strictness, or in other words, it would be an excessive strictness to wholly forbid neatness and elegance in clothing. If the material is said to be too sumptuous, it is the Lord who created it. And we know that skill in art has proceeded from him. Peter did not intend to condemn every sort of ornament, but the evil of vanity. He was speaking against the excessive elegance, ambition, and pride, and putting yourself on display. So that's, that's just kind of helps us get the perspective of this. And, and I, but I will say, it is a, it is a sad distortion of... of of God's values when, when women are completely focused on their nails and their hair and their makeup and hiding outward blemishes consumed with uh, shopping for and wearing the, the latest fads and clothing while at the same time just allowing their inward state of heart to be hard 
or domineering or critical or self-willed or proud. It's just, I mean, it's God just, God just, God considers precious your inner beauty, and so should you, dear ladies. You should be concerned about the beauty of your spirit. Now, uh, Peter I, helps us kind of identif- identify this uh, beauty of spirit when he, he calls for a gentle and quiet spirit, or uh, some translations calls for a tranquil heart. And one of the, the definitions of this word from, from the original language is uh, d- defined it as this. It means mild, mild or meek, not given to passion or wrath, patient, not proud or arrogant, quiet, peaceable, not boisterous, not turbulent, not given to strife and contention. And I think that's a, that's a pretty, good, pretty good idea of what this, this tranquil spirit is to be that, that, we're, that, that God asks or calls for, for women to beautify themselves with. And I will say there is just something so attractive about a, a, a woman of God who's, who's not uh, all worked up or agitated or fearful or fighting for her own way or trying to be controlling, but rather who is so secure in God that she just exhibits this quietness of spirit and gentleness that Peter talks about. And then Peter makes two very important observations about this inner beauty. First, he says this kind of beauty is unfading. He calls this an unfading beauty. Most of us know, if well, I would, I, I would actually say probably most of us over a certain age know that the beauty of youth fades away. Uh, if you're in your late teens or early 20s, uh, you might as well know it right now that you will never look that good again. So, so you need to give your attention to a kind of beauty that will not dis- diminish with time. And second, second observation that Peter makes is that, that, that this kind of beauty is, is highly valued by God. Uh, the NIV says it is of great worth in God's sight. I per- actually prefer the New American Standard Bible, which says, which is precious in the sight of God. This, this, this inner beauty is valuable. It's very precious to God. God really values beauty of, of the heart, beauty of the spirit. And you know, when I look uh, at, my, uh, at my granddaughters, I appreciate their, their out, outer loveliness, but I appreciate the beauty of their sweet spirit and the beauty of their tender hearts toward God so much more. And God says, that, that is what I want to see in, in my daughters. And so I, I would say, wives, what, what greater mo- motivation could there be for you, to, for you to exhibit a gracious and reverent, uh, respectful spirit in your home than to know that God finds that very precious and, and valuable. 
Verse 5, for in this way, the holy women in the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Or in other words, they made themselves beautiful in, in this way. And I, th- I think the, the, the point is that as, as godly women, as believing women, the women who, are, who name the name of Christ, women who are believers in Christ, you are a... Another description of you would be that you are a holy woman who puts her hope in God. I mean, that's, that's what you are. And so as also like Sarah and these other women in the past, you also, as a holy woman who puts her hope in God, you should be concerned with adorning yourself in this way with this inner beauty of spirit. Uh, how did they do this? Verse 5 and 6, they were... Uh, Submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So, you know, being, being submissive or this, exhibiting this submissive quality in your home and your marriage, it's nothing to do with time and culture. It's been a, it's been a trait of godly women from the very beginning, from Sarah all, all through uh, human history. And you are her daughters if you, if you do the same, have the same kind of response. Uh, in other words, that means that you are following in the footsteps of Sarah and godly women like her if you do what is right. And then Peter adds, and do not give way to fear. Uh, it seems that perhaps the one, one thing that could, that could keep you from this life of inner quietness and gentleness uh, and reverent response is is fear. Uh, perhaps fear that that you won't get what you want in life unless you are controlling and take charge of everything. Uh, fear that if you demonstrate this kind of spirit to your husband, you will you will not be fulfilled or happy. But by clinging to these kinds of fears and anxieties, you're really not protecting and guarding your life. You're keeping yourself from living a life of tranquility, inner tranquility and peace uh, that comes from being surrendered to God. So Peter says, give up your fears. I like that. Don't be frightened by any fear. Uh, Put your trust in God. Or perhaps to put it another way, uh, listen to God more than your fears. Keep, Keep turning the volume down on your fears and keep turning up the voice of God. Now, in verse 7, Peter addresses how husbands are to show the spirit of submission in the home. He says, husbands, in the same way, just as he said to wives in the same way, he says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat her with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. New American Standard says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Interesting that that just... As he spoke to the wives and says, in the same way, he speaks to husbands and says, in the same way. And again, this in the same way that refers back to this 
submissive spirit that Peter's been talking about in the previous verses uh, and that was demonstrated by Jesus Christ himself. Now, it's interesting that the corollary uh, to, the, to the wife's uh, call to submit to her husband, the corollary is not for the, for the husband's authority or not the husband's uh, kind of an authoritarian sort of role. In other words, it's not uh, wives submit, husbands dominate, be bossy, control your wives. I mean, that's, the corollary is not the husband's authority or authoritarian role. Uh, there's nothing, nothing here to suggest that the husband is to be bossy or domineering or demanding. Uh, in Ephesians 5, we see that the husband is the head of the home. But the apostles of Christ call husbands as the head of the home to love, to understand, to honor. So, what, so while the, the, the wife is called to respect, respectfully submit to her husband, the husband is called to love, to understand, to be considerate of, to honor his wife. And so husbands are to show this Christ-like quality of submission, but yet in a, in a way different from wives. Uh, Peter, does, he does not turn the order of the home upside down and say, husbands, submit to your wives. But he says, husbands, you are to show this spirit of deference by placing yourselves under the needs and concerns of your wife. Husbands, we are to go low enough in spirit and attitude of heart that we honor our wives. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding manner. That means you are to know your wife's needs and to be considerate of them. You are to understand your wife. This is, this is how you show this, this, this honor, this sense of respect, this, this, this submissive spirit in your home is that you go low as a servant and you seek to understand and be considerate of your wife. This involves careful listening. I don't know how you can live your, with your wife in an understanding way if, if, you don't, if you don't take time to talk and listen and listen carefully, hear, listen to her heart, listen to what she has to say. So it involves careful listening it involves paying close attention to her concerns, to her hopes, to her dreams, to her needs. You're, you're to, you know, I like the, I think the King James that says, "Dwell with your wives with knowledge." With, and you're supposed you're supposed you're supposed to be knowledgeable about about your wives. Live with your wives in an understanding way, and particularly particularly with the emphasis on, on understanding them and then, and then being considerate of them, being considerate of, of their needs. Wives, or Peter goes on, treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Uh, New American Standard uh, puts it, uh, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. 
Now, the word that is translated honor there means, it means to esteem, uh, to respect, or to reverence. It includes the idea of courtesy and kindness. Uh, it also has the idea of considering something valuable or precious. Uh, the same word is used in, in other applications in the original language to show the value or describe the value of a precious stone. So your wife is to be treasured as you would treasure a precious stone. And Peter gives two reasons why, husbands, why you should honor or honor or respect your wife. Uh, first, you are to show her honor as to the weaker partner. Or the ESV says the weaker vessel. Um, I love the ISV, which says, as a most delicate partner. Uh, many wives are stronger than their husbands in a lot of areas. I mean, why, many wives are uh, more capable in their, than their husbands in lots of areas. But generally, wives are physically weaker. And, and most commentators think that, think that is what Peter is referring to here. And the point is that husbands are to honor their wives in physical, physical weakness or in any kind of weakness or limitation which they have. Warren uh, Wearsby wrote, The husband should t- treat his wife like an expensive, beautiful, fragile vase in which is a precious treasure. You know, it might help for husbands, it might help you just to think, Um, how in general you would treat um, a weaker person. You know, this last week, my mother, my 94-year-old mother came to visit us with my older sister. It is very rare uh, for her to get out. She very seldom gets out other than for a doctor's appointment, and even that's very difficult for her. And, you know, when she came to to visit us, um, we, we all... We all jumped up and dropped everything we were doing. We, we, we ran to the car. We helped her out of the car. Two or three of us helped her up the steps, um, helped her get a, a place to sit down. I mean, we waited on her like she was the most important person in the house. And th- that's how we're to treat our wives. We are, we are to put ourselves beneath their needs and serve them out of respect for them in any kind of weakness that they may have. And then Peter says to honor her because, uh, not only as a weaker partner, but honor her because she has received the gift of life just like you have. So husbands, God saved, God saved her just like he saved you. He gave her the honor of salvation just, just like he gave you the honor of salvation He put his Holy Spirit in her too. She's been raised up and seated in the heavenly places just like you have. Uh, There's no honor, no glory, no privilege that you have received in salvation that she has not received too. And so you treat her with respect out of her position in in the grace of life. Uh, Or again, I like the, the New American Standard here. You treat her with honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, a fellow recipient of all that, 
all that you have received from God. And if you have that perspective, man, I mean, you, you, uh, it really, you know, it changes the, 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 the esteem, the honor that you have. You, you see, you see her as, uh, as, as, as just on this, <laughs> the same place before God, which, which with, without question we should view and honor her in that way. So, an application that I, th- I think of this, you know, instead of disregarding your wife's opinions or brushing off her insights from the Lord or brushing off or dismissing her gifts and calling from the Lord, you, know, you honor her in that. You value all that God has done in her life. You, you, you value who she is and all that she brings to the relationship because she is a fellow heir of the grace of life. And then uh, Peter adds this, this uh, closing warning uh, to us who are husbands. He says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You know what that communicates to me? That honoring your wife, showing her every consideration, living with her in an understanding way matters to God. I mean, God will not allow us, men, to be inconsiderate of our wives and at the same time pouring out the blessings of heaven upon us in answers to our prayers. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to work that way. God, in a sense, God won't allow us husbands to be hypocrites. He's not going to allow us to be dismissive and unkind, unthoughtful toward our wives and then say, okay, sure, I'll answer your prayers. Just, God says it just doesn't work this way. This, this, this quality, man, that he's calling forth from you uh, to honor and be considerate of your wives is just too important. It matters too much to God for him to allow that to go on. Now, I think it's possible that both husbands and wives might be thinking this morning, you know, how can I do this? You know, I thought marriage was going to be so easy. <laughs> I thought marriage was going to be all just all this fun stuff day after day. You know, living together seemed like such a dream. Um, I thought it was going to be so easy, and now, and I'm speaking in general. I'm not talking just myself. I'm kind of speaking for all of us here. You know, we thought it was going to be all fun and fun and game, so easy, and yet there are so many needs, so many issues, so many things to be taken care of. And on top of that, Peter says, now basically live, live for your spouse in, in different ways for husband and wives, but basically he, he calls us both to live for the spouse. You might just say, how do I do this? And there's really only one way. Uh, that, is, that is to follow in Christ's footsteps as the pattern of our life to look at his spirit, his humble spirit, as the pattern for our spirit, and to allow his Holy Spirit to flow through your heart to your spouse. You know, this, is, this, is, this is a work of God. This is a work of God in our hearts. But this is, what, this, is what we're, this is what we're called to. It's a work of the spirit in our hearts. And 
I know in most Bibles, the next verse goes on to a different paragraph, and most put this, put this into a kind of starting a new train of thought, but I'm actually not sure that it is. Verse, verse 8 says, And to sum up, or finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And that's a, that's a pretty good description of the spirit of Jesus that we're called to. All of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. And that's the spirit of Christ to which we are called to live out in our homes and our marriages. It's the Spirit of Christ which we are to allow to flow through us in our homes and marriages. Now, some people have heard these, this text and others text, texts like it um, many times. And maybe become kind of numb to it in a way or think it's just sort of an ideal uh, that we only talk about in church but we don't really live this out? Um, is this just some sort of ideal marriage relationship that, that only a, a, a handful of people can have? Of course not. Uh, this, this is the way that we really are that we really are supposed to live in a Christian home and a Christian marriage as husbands and wives. And so if, thing, if things are not this way in, in your heart and in your home, uh, I just strongly encourage you in the name of Jesus to, to go after this, to move toward this in your heart and in your home. Uh, let God deal with you this morning from this passage. Uh, maybe some here um, maybe led, led to repentance on some level in some area this morning. And just take time to, to stay in your seat, deal, let God deal with you, or come up front, be, be prayed for. Uh, maybe you're here as a single person or a young person. And you know, I would just encourage you to allow God's instruction from this passage to to prepare your heart for the kind of marriage right now that God may, may bless you with someday. Um, you know, I think it's so important for young people to, to be prepared in heart and spirit to live out this kind of life in the home someday. I mean, it's a, it's a big adjustment if you've always seen something else growing up and you have no expectation, really, of what God's calling, calling you to in the home. And as a, as a young person, you can, you can prepare yourself for this and uh, uh, look to God to, to make you ready to live in a home uh, with the kind of heart and spirit that he calls you to.